Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome into Floor's Shores on the Five Reasons YouTube channel, an extension of Five on the Floor, as mentioned there. Sponsored by Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official beer of the Five Reasons Sports Network. They'll be hosting some of us at their brew house, their new brew house in downtown Miami. We're having a lunch with another of our new sponsors, Miami Grill. That's actually uh, going to be they're gonna be taking care of some of our people on Friday. A very COVID-safe lunch that we're going to be having, but checking out their new facility, which we're going to be using. It's down the street from the arena. We're going to be using it as a place to have watch parties uh, once things start to come back. So it's going to be a really cool thing that we're going to be doing with Biscayne Bay Brewing. We got some more heat news in terms of our reach uh, that we're going to get to probably by Monday, a big expansion of five on the floor, uh, which is possible because of all of your support. All right, Ethan Skolnick here again. We got a Floor is Yours episode. We, we were going to pod tonight, Greg and I and Alex. Well, I don't know where Alex is, but Greg and I and Alex, we were going to pod tonight, uh, but we decided not to because we really want to let the fans get in here and we're going to actually pod tomorrow night after the New Orleans game. So I was at the Atlanta game two. Yesterday, make sure you check out on the YouTube channel the latest Good, Bad, and Ugly from our guy Jonathan Ramlikan. Um, and also check out Brady Hawk's dissection of Bam Adebayo's passivity, particularly in the second half last night when he only ended up with eight shots for the game and 18 shots over two games. Greg and I did a full episode about this yesterday, basically 20 minutes on the Bam situation. So we'll certainly get into that today. Uh, we got a new, we got a new uh, host here with us today. You've seen him. Uh, there you go, Haley Pascal, the king of the crafty intangibles. There you go. Um, we've got a new, we've got a new host with us today. You can follow him. It's part of our five recent Skyforce team on the post games with Royal Shepherd. Royal returned to the post game stream yesterday because the Heat lost. He's been staying away from him. until then. Our guy Gad, Alex, by the way, showing up just on time. Uh, Gad, yep. tell him your Twitter handle for those who don't know it. Um, it's just my full name at Gadiel Cartagena. Um, kind of long, but. I'll make it my name on here, actually, just so people get it when they're watching the stream. Uh, yeah, that's just my full name. Pretty, pretty simple Twitter handle. I don't have anything extravagant like tropical blanket or anything. So, <laughs> I think you should call it Trop Blanket too. That's I think your last name is is pretty good by itself. Honestly, it's a lot better than anything in my handle. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, our producer Manny Chang, Alex Alex Toledo has joined us. I can follow him at Tropical Blanket, and of course Greg Sylvander. You can find at Greg Sylvander. Uh, now, Greg and I dove into this. Brady dove into this. Uh, I want to give Alex and Gad an opportunity to break into this. Bam Adebayo, um, are we, and I saw Cooper Moorhead, who I, I think we all respect immensely. I think he's basically the best sort of in-house team reporter in the league. Uh, he handles things in a way that other team reporters don't. It's not fluffy features. It's He really breaks things down, and the trust that the Heat have for him is evident because they don't like their stuff getting out. And, you know, many, many conversations I watched Cooper have with, with Spolstra. There's great trust there and trust to kind of tell the real story of what's going on without giving away all the secrets. He, try, he didn't make excuses for Bam today, necessarily. He just acknowledged that Bam acknowledged last night, again, this is like the sixth time, that he needs to be more aggressive. But he also explained some of what was behind it. Um, Greg, you kind of, I think, put more of the onus on Spolstra, or as much on Spolstra as on Bam in some tweets and in, in our commentary yesterday. I want to go to Alex and then to Gat. Who is responsible, in your view, who is most responsible 
for getting Bam to sort of try to take over a game, especially when Jimmy, and now they're 3-10 and 10 without Jimmy, is not there? Honestly, I would split it up. I'm not sure if it would be a 50-50 split or not, but it's on both of them. Like I, uh, what Leif was saying last night, I completely echo, and I feel, I mean, I could not agree more. Like the, the role that they have him in when Jimmy is there versus when he's not there need to be different because he's playing the same role in both cases a lot of times. And, and I know last night was an extreme, like it was probably the worst or one of the, the, the worst uh, games that we've seen from Bam this year. But we still see that type of mindset to, to, you know, run the DHOs at the top and to always look for his guys, which is good to have as a teammate, right? He's a great teammate. Sometimes you want him to be more aggressive, but the it's more than just the aggression, right? That's something that's been talked about over and over and over again. I think to me, like what Leif was talking about, the other side is Spo and needing to put him in those situations to get him going downhill. And right, like it, you can't just have him stationed at the top of the arc and expect him to kind of make something out of nothing. He's never played that role. He's never been in that role in his life. Get him, make him, you know, get comfortable getting down to the rim, give him some easy spots where you're giving him screens somewhere around the free throw line where you don't have to have him dribble from the three-point line to the rim, things like that. And, and maybe you have Duncan Robinson screening for him just – you know, down low, you get Duncan popping back out, and it's like, how do you guard that? And and that's not that's not stuff that I think like that we see enough. And like uh, Leif was talking about too, getting stuff setting up from the elbows there instead of kind of putting him a little bit closer to the rim, because I think if you just have him out there, uh, you know, just below the three point line all the time, you're kind of limiting what he can do offensively. Gad, I'll go to you on this. Uh, one of the points that I made on onside today is that, you know, Bam has never been the alpha anywhere um you know you talk about the heat bigs historically okay the great bigs uh zoe was the best high school player in the nation uh before he went to georgetown was drafted second overall Shaq was drafted first overall in that draft was obviously a behemoth at lsu although stanley roberts actually was supposed to be the better player um and had some issues and but Shaq emerged and was a clear go-to guy uh chris bosh was a top high school prospect who was then elite for a year at Golden Georgia Tech, much more than Bam was at Kentucky, and then was drafted fourth overall. Bam has never been that guy. And I just, I feel like they're forcing him, They have, we're forcing him to be an alpha because the contract says he should be an alpha, but it not may not necessarily be his personality to be an alpha. Yeah, I think, well, he was even the third option when he was at Kentucky. Like, I don't know about you guys. I was super high on Malik Monk and De'Aaron Hot, uh, Fox coming out. Uh, I thought both of those guys are going to be really good. Obviously, Monk was only good when he plays against us. But <laughs> and <since. laughs> I I think Bam, it's, he struggles a little bit in terms of understanding when it's time to take over because he's had flashes with it before. Like, you saw it against Brooklyn. That's the, the one memory that really just rings – really strong for everybody just watching bam go for 41 and it was attack mode from the beginning it didn't matter who was on him um i just think it's it's a bit of a maturing process for him because it's going to be tough to show up and be like oh i'm the guy on this team and then obviously the plays aren't called for him and they want him to be such a team player such a facilitator that at some points he struggles to kind of break out of that mold and it looks like he's kind of or at least last night, he was stuck in more Draymond Green mode than Bam against Brooklyn mode. So I think it's he's going to learn when to be able to pick his spots and take over those moments. But he's, what, 23 years old? I don't think it's too much of an issue, but you definitely want to see him understand. I think the most frustrating part is that 
he's so ridiculously talented when he wants to be. Like, in my opinion, he's probably our best ISO guy right now. But we just don't give him the opportunity to do so. And he doesn't take the opportunity either. So I don't really think the, the contract factors too much into it. We all know Bam's worth the max. But um, you definitely want to see him take the next step to kind of be the go-to guy for the organization. Well, you talk about, again, ISO stuff. Okay, so yesterday there was one sequence. I think it was first half, and it ended in a made three, I, I think, by Robinson. Okay, uh, Robinson or Strews. There were, those were the only two guys that were making any threes. So, so it ended in a made three, so it got forgotten. But Bam literally had the ball at the elbow, and his defender just dropped out. Okay, it basically, it was a busted coverage, just totally dropped out. If Bam turns around, it is a drive to the basket and a dunk and probably yeah. a foul. And he passed out of it. It's just the, the mentality for it. Is, and you mentioned the Brooklyn game. There was the Washington game last year. There was obviously the one game in the playoffs, right, against Boston. But other than that, we don't see it consistently. And I, I look, I don't doubt that he's a max player. I think it's a very it's a very small minority of people on Twitter who, who will challenge the max player thing. But it does make me think a little bit, and I don't want to have the John Collins debate again, Alex, but maybe we should, because I, I think you rightly called me out yesterday on it, okay? But on Twitter. But, no, you called but me I out do, first. Well, I did, but 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 I think that... that my mentions were on like, fire. I woke up I woke up from a nap with my mentions absolutely <laughs> on fire over John Collins. That's what I do to people. But, but, he, but, but here's the thing about it. The, one of the reasons I like John Collins so much is because John Collins would take that burden off of Bam because John Collins doesn't have any issue with having a scorer's mentality. It's who he is. It's, it just seems to be part of his makeup. Now, the other things he doesn't do quite as well as Bam, he rebounds as well as Bam, but the other things he doesn't do as well, the facilitating, the defending, et cetera, I think there were tools there, especially for the defending. But, but I just think that would take – I feel like Bam wants somebody to come in and take that burden off of him. Like it just feels like he just wants to sort of slide to the back – and then we keep pushing the forward. Let me ask you another question, though. Gab mentioned ISOs. We talked about the dribble handoffs. Why not more pick-and-pop situations with Bam if he's developed a little bit of that jumper? Or the pick-and-dive stuff? Like, is it because the Heat don't have a great pick-and-roll ball handler, particularly with Jimmy out? Is, is that the reason, Alex? Uh, to me, Bam is still not really a pick-and-pop guy. I mean, I wouldn't be against that. But, again, I'm, I'm way more for the stuff that we're talking about before and that Ariel was saying in the comments, too, where you get a guard screening for him so he could get downhill. And look, I, I'm seeing a few comments now saying I'm anti John Collins. I'm absolutely not anti John no, Collins. Okay, he's not. Stop. I'm it, not anti John Collins. It would be great to add him <laughs> to the core. It's about you know uh, what it takes to get him. Outside of that, uh, yeah, like I, th- I just think Bam to me, it's about getting him to the rim more and and starting from there. I think he needs to be an inside out type of guy. And the jumper has not been as efficient ever since you know he got off to that hot start with it. I'm not really worried about it in the long term. But again, th- this all relates to the mentality conversation that we were just having because i think his his first instinct is always to kind of make the right play and not to look for the shot for himself and that definitely has to change when jimmy's not playing and again like um i don't agree that they don't have a good pick and roll ball handler outside of jimmy his name is goran dragic Mm -hmm. i think goran and bam are i think goran is still a really good pick and roll player although he is a little bit more limited i just think he's really good at making the right reads with it and uh to me it's just about getting Bam comfortable and and, and ma- optimizing him as a scorer, especially when Jimmy's out. Yeah, well, and look, it's, it's not just the games Jimmy's out. It's the non-Jimmy minutes, and, and we've we've talked about that too. All right, let's go to number two because, again, if you want more of this, Greg and I did this for 20 minutes yesterday, and you should check out Bra- uh, Brady's not only art. He did an article on it, and he also has something on the YouTube channel, so make sure that you check that out. All right, number two here. Um, 
the Rising Stars team was announced today. Uh, it's it's pretty stupid. Uh, in gen I mean, they named a team. They're not going to play a game. Not that I, I really need to see that game. When I've gone to the All-Star game before, that's the one I usually skip yeah. uh, on <laughs> when, when it's there on, on the uh, on the Friday night. Um, but I was I was interested in this. Uh, and the whole concept of U.S. versus the world is stupid because the U.S. team is, is always has, you know, fewer spots than they need. But hero versus none. I mean, let's just from the now that we've had a month of Kendrick Nunn's resurgence, hero was named none wasn't. Uh, forget the age, because to me that doesn't play into this. Forget the, the, you know, how popular each guy is. Who's had the better season, Greg? Um, you know what? Like people are probably not, they're not going to agree with me on this. Tyler heroes had the better season because Tyler hero, like what we're seeing from him is, um, like maybe a little underwhelming, but yet if you look at it in pretty much every facet of the game, it's better than what Kendrick Nunn is doing. Like there are maybe some shooting statistics that point in Kendrick Nunn's favor, but I think we all, if, if each of us had to bet our lives for the rest of uh, of time who's going to be a better shooter tyler hero or kendrick nunn i don't think anybody's risking their life and going to choose kendrick nunn on that one so like i feel like the shooting stuff's going to straighten itself out hero what he did in the bubble he's still playing well he's had some big games this year i can understand it but i also get where people are coming from because kendrick has had a great six weeks i mean there's no doubt about it but but prior to that six weeks he was kind of non-existent i'll give you that gad who's had a better year um, I think Heroes had the better statistical year. I think none has contributed to winning more, if that makes sense, because what we've gotten on the defensive end from him is what I think a lot of Heat fans would like to see him get that credit. Uh, but he also was non-existent for the beginning half of the season. So I'm fine with Hero getting it. Um, I just think Hero's stats definitely get him this nod. And he kind of has that name cachet around the league at this point. Like everybody knows who Hero is. And they really respect what he did in the bubble, or at least most people. Um, but I think Nunn was also deserving. Uh, I don't think they would have given the heat to people in this spot in this uh, game, though. So, yeah, I think Nunn contributes definitely more to winning, though, at least so far than Hero this season. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it, because I think most people wouldn't have agreed with that before the year. I think Greg probably wouldn't either. But I, but I, it's true I, though, and it's a good point. But, but I mean, lately, uh, they do have two in the game, though. But Precious made the world team, of course. Oh, yeah. I, 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 think, I, think the, I think the spots were easier to sort of get on the world team. Um, Alex, who are you taking? Who's had the better year? If you're just talking about between Hero, Nun, and Precious, or is that the... No, I mean, Precious is another story because, the, I mean, the world team needed players, to be honest. I mean, I, not to take anything away from Precious, but the rest of that world roster is kind of underwhelming. So... Uh, I'm still taking Hero. I think Nunn's been more impactful to winning recently. I think there's no doubt about that, especially during the winning streak. He was their, probably their third best player. Or That's you know, the only I, winning they've done. Hey, <laughs> there you go. But I think throughout the, se throughout the season, uh, skill set-wise, impact-wise, Hero has had it. I think maybe Nunn, he can sustain this level of playing. I mean, uh, if he does this for the whole season, that's a different story. But I think up to this point, it's been Hero. I'm still really impressed by the growth he's shown. I know he's been, you know, pretty up and down lately, but I'm not really worried about it. The age difference there is pretty big. And I think uh, Hero is just a better player right now. I mean, skill set wise, I think none has been the better player as of late. I think we sort of had the same debate last year, though, right? I mean, I feel like at the beginning of the season, we were kind of like, well, none's playing better, but we'll take Hero's upside. It's always when he starts, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see where it goes. 
All right, let's get to uh, let's get to another debate. I'm not going to let Manny put up my tweet here, okay? That Adam sent him. It's not even a tweet. It, no, that one was a tweet. That one's okay. The, the DMs I don't want up here. There you go. Uh, just throw it in there because 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 the, the PJ Tucker thing came back to no. Come on, please, no, uh, no, no, no. Today is the Heat is one of the teams that are interested in PJ Tucker. So I've been following. Get it off the screen. I've been following the P.J. Tucker situation a little bit lately. He's been awful, awful, awful statistically this season. Awful. One of the worst players in the league statistically. However, okay, I've been following the Houston accounts, and I've had some of the Rockets sort of the people who follow the team closely, like we follow the Heat, talking about how he's had a couple of P.J. Tucker games lately, okay, that reminds you of kind of what he provides. Does he, I'll start with Alex on this one. Does he provide value? What, what, would you give up even, a, would you get a second round pick to give up for PJ Tucker at this point? A second, hell yeah. Card. Absolutely. I wouldn't, I probably would hesitate to give up a first. I would, I, yeah, I would absolutely hesitate to give up a first for PJ Tucker, how old he is and the fact that he doesn't really offer you much on offense other than standing in the corner. I would still love him on this team. Like, I think that would be a really nice guy to slot in there at the four. Um, and I think, a couple of couple of months ago, I probably would have had him first in my ranking of like all these fours that we talked about. And he's slid down a little bit. Like I like the idea of Harrison Barnes more and even Thad Young and Rudy Gay, like they offer you a little bit more on offense. And I think, you know, we've seen this team needs help on offense, too. And those guys are two way players as well. But Tucker is still a great defensive player and can still guard up. He could probably do it better than anybody else that we talked about. And uh, it would fit like pretty seamlessly with the heat. I only want Tucker if I get Oladipo with him. I, yes, I sir. Oh God, I just I'm just not. It's on not, that and I don't even really want Oladipo. I, it's just if we're gonna do it, like let's just do it I, and I'm let's just, see what happens. <laughs> like it's inevitable. We've been talking about Oladipo for three damn years, I, so let's just see what I, happens. I think he's with gonna it. be highly disappointing if he gets here. I really do. I think Heat fans are some of them are expecting oh something. God. Uh, let's, you know what, forget PJ Tucker. Let's switch off of that. But I, I like Alex's answer there because I want to talk about this other guy who's we've got a little bit of, of interest. This just came in on a post. Harrison Barnes. Uh, we have not talked a lot about Harrison Barnes. I feel like this Greg is my favorite on Harrison Barnes train, right? Like how do, yes. how do we feel about that? So this is going to sound crazy and I'll, this will probably get recorded and, and people will play it back but Adam. if the heat if the heat can't find a superstar like let's say the bradley beals of the world are not going to happen and the john collins stuff is too expensive like if you're talking about all around the league the guy that i think fits in with this current team if you plan on keeping kendrick nunn and duncan robinson and re-upping those guys and keeping this nucleus harrison barnes he's the perfect fit uh it would sacrifice some of your flexibility going forward but if you really think you're that close, I think – and when I tweeted last night that I didn't think they needed a superstar to actually contend, and this is where I was going with this, is that I think a player like Harrison Barnes is like the best version of Jay Crowder we could have ever saw, like a way enhanced version of that. And so I just think it would be such a great fit. So that's where I'm on this Harrison Barnes train, and I don't now, know if it's even real. He is expensive though, right? So, I mean, that's – and people are asking where he is. He's in Sacramento. <laughs> balling in sacramento he, he is his efficiency is off the charts over there twos and threes like he's he's doing good stuff as a pick and roll ball handler which we've never seen him do before 
Hold uh, on, I got it. I got it. So in 35 minutes, he's averaging 16 and a half points a game, shooting 49%, 40% from three, six rebounds, three and a half assists. And that is on um that four that 40% three-point shooting is on four and a half attempts. I'm telling you, it's it's the fit. Uh, the other like thing about he offers you more offensively than Crowder for sure. It's not even it's a, no, it's not there's even a there's a decent gap there. No, he, he he's look, but that's the thing. I the, the and and Ariel's right. He does have a de-escalating contract. He's got two more years after this year at combined forty mil, which is reasonable for a player like him. I, I will say this about Harrison Barnes too. Um, he's a really intellectual guy. If you've ever dealt with Harrison Barnes a lot, and that actually was one of the knocks against him early in his career that he didn't love basketball enough because that's the knock that the smart guys always get. Um, that's that's a knock that happened. Too worried about becoming a politician. Right. Well, that, that, that's what happened with Chris. Yeah, Rock. like they're so damn smart. Well, no, but that was one of the knocks against some of the big three heat players, and it was definitely against Bosch that he didn't love basketball enough. I used to hear that all the time because he had other interests. I think with Justice, it actually might be true. But with, with Bosch, because I heard it about him too, but with Bosch, I mean, we saw how much he loved basketball when it got taken away from him. So it was a totally, totally unfair assessment there. But – I've always wondered if Harrison Barnes was a heat player in that sense. Not, not that they haven't had those types of guys, but he is, he tends to be a little aloof. He's a little, so I haven't, this, for this particular team that's led by Jimmy Butler, I wasn't totally convinced uh, that it's a fit. He reminds me a little of Jamal Mashburn, who yeah, didn't fit right. particularly well next to Alonzo Mourning because of, the, and uh, Tim Hardaway, because of that kind of, they were balls to the wall all the time. And, Mash was thinking about the 40, you know, restaurant chains he was going to open up when he was finished. Mash used to bring a briefcase to practice, okay? Like, and he's done better than any of the other guys after basketball. Um, but, but so I, that's a little bit of my concern with Harrison Barnes. Not, not that I think it keeps him from being a good basketball player, but I just wonder with this particular group. Um, let's talk about it from a basketball perspective. Let's go back to it again. Do you like the fit? I mean, what is worth giving up for him? Um, I would ideally not like to give up either one of Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, like really any of the oh, guards. No, 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 yeah. If, of course. If you're like Precious and KZ, I'm cool with it, honestly, because you look at what that contract is. Like he's going to be an asset regardless because he's going to be tradable to another team if maybe we don't want him or whatever. But he's also just, like you guys said, the perfect fit at the four. Like offensively, what he, do, what he brings at the four kind of like that third option score whenever he's on the floor is pretty much exactly what we need. Um, I like the fit of Harrison Barnes and he's relatively cheap compared to a lot of the other options. I'm completely cool with Harrison. I have Barnes. a, I have a question. Yes. Would you give up hero or Robinson? If you got buddy healed back <laughs> with Harrison Barnes, Duncan, probably. I, I would give up Duncan. I don't I think hero needs to be involved in that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I would give up Duncan. I mean, the other thing is, remember, Buddy Heald's older than people think. He came into the NBA at 26, but so is Duncan. So, I mean, it's, you know, that's a little bit of it, too. Um, all right, you know what? Since you mentioned Akpala, I think that's a good topic to come up here now. Uh, do KZ, Akpala, and Precious have any trade value? Let's start with KZ. Not as a throw-in. Does KZ, Akpala, at this stage, for all the hype, have any? He can't get off the bench when they're having to play Olenek 30 minutes a game. Right, he's buried back there with Harkless and with uh, with UD and with Silva as fours, basically forwards that they don't play. Does Casey Akpala have any trade value? I don't really. I, unless a team loved him pre-draft, 
but we're the ones that gave up three second round picks for him. Yeah. So I don't see any team loving him more than the Heat do. No. Um, no. I mean, you could probably get a future it. second. No, but I don't think like KZ is somebody that you just throw in as a sweetener in a package, right? Like a team that's looking to acquire young guys. Like, shit, if I'm another bad team, I wouldn't be against, you know, just acquiring KZ, like this wing. Who, I mean, this raw wing who hasn't done much in the league yet, but. I mean, the Heat, this great organization, we're so keen on drafting him. Maybe he's got something there. Um, can we can we relitigate an old conversation then? Because I think that we talked a lot about how they could let Derek Jones Jr. go because they had Casey Akpala. And, yeah. and, 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 and I understand that DJJ didn't play a lot in the, in the bubble last year, particularly in the postseason. We've seen him find a perfect fit team. Uh, and he's not a great spacer, so I don't really know that it would have helped much with him at the four this year. But he is really good at the top of the zone, which they don't have right now. Uh, and, and, and obviously, he gives them some vertical spacing. Did, did they mess up by not? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I, I, we talk a lot about Crowder. Did they mess? I mean, what is what is DJJ, 23, 24 at this stage? You know, like 15 million though, right? Yeah, I, but I wouldn't have given him the mid-level for three years. Or two years, excuse me. Um, I, I, that's I, I'm out on that. I, I don't think he, I think that the playoffs showed us that he was unplayable in the biggest moments. Really, like when it came down to it, he was not reliable. So I, I, I'm not willing to co- to commit to him. I think that they're good in letting him walk. The issue is this Casey just hasn't developed as we expected. I right, let's let's flip to Precious here for a second. Uh, he had the one uh, coach's decision. We didn't play, and since the coach's decision, uh, he's been hyperactive. I mean, he's. It seems maybe he just needed a night to just back off a little bit. Um, we're we're now far enough along in the season you get a sense of it, but he hasn't played next to Bam at all, which is to me a long term concern because until they get to that, he's a twelve minute a game player. I mean, that's because you, you can, you're not going to take Bam out. Bam's going to play thirty three to thirty six. Uh, Alex, where, where, how would you evaluate Precious's rookie season, and what do you see as his upside? I guess if I had to put a grade on it, I would probably put him around, I don't know, B plus. Like I'm, I still am a Precious guy, you know. And if you want to talk about it from a trade standpoint, like I'm not against trading him for an upgrade at the four, whatever the situation is. But I still like Precious as a prospect. I love watching him play. I know that when his body fills out, he is going to be so damn wide. And not only that. Like, the way that he moves with that body type is ridiculous. Like, the way he covers ground is still, like, it's one of the craziest things I've seen athletically. And, uh, like, he's putting that stuff to use on the court. Obviously, he's still up and down. He's a rookie. But I just really like having him as a backup five. I do not miss Kelly being the backup five and, like, how soft we feel on the interior. Even though Preston is not huge uh, height-wise, I really like what he brings. I love him as a pick-and-roll big. And I think on defense, he's learning and getting better, still making mistakes. You know, he's no bam. But uh, as a backup center, I really like him. And I think he's somebody who could fill that role for a long time. And hopefully uh, him and Bam's jumper could develop. So at some point, they could get some playing time together. All right, I'm going to throw the last one here to Gab. Before we do, make sure you check out prizepicks.com. Use the code 5FIVE. 
We got more than 55 people to sign up last month. Um, so there are a lot of people that are playing it right now. And again, use the code five, you get a bonus, which is definitely useful, particularly if you have a run of luck like I had. Uh, but pair the players together from different teams. You can pair the players from different athletes from different sports together. Uh, also, it's daily fantasy, but it's a lot more fun and it's easy to get your money back too. So that's another thing. Uh, with these games that can sometimes be a pain. And as I mentioned, of course, Biscayne Bay Brew, sponsor. We're going to be out there with our new sponsor, Miami Grill, which is going to be feeding us on Friday um, at our, our sponsor lunch. So we're going to show you the new brew house where we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff there. Uh, once against COVID passes, hopefully, and people get vaccinated, uh, which looks like it's actually happening. Uh, once that occurs, we're going to be able to, to do some watch party stuff from there, and then you'll get mad at us when the Heat lose. Uh, so there we go. All right, let's uh, last one here for Gad, uh, and let's uh, we'll close with this one. Jimmy Butler made the trip to uh, he he made he made the trip to New Orleans for the last game before the break. I had made the case that you got 11 days here. Let's just shut him down, okay? Shut him down. Don't play him in these three games. But the fact that he got on the plane, unless he just wants to say goodbye to everybody, it seems like he's intending to play. Is this wise? I mean, I. I mean, depending on how bad the knee inflammation is, which I heard isn't bad, but still, you can give him an extended break. Um, I think get the wins when you can. So if Jimmy's feeling good enough to play, they'll probably test him before the game. If Jimmy's feeling good enough to play, play the game. Let's go into the All-Star break with positive momentum. Um, I would be really happy if Jimmy played and was healthy. And if he's not fully healthy, I don't mind it. But if he's healthy, I want Jimmy Butler on the floor. Uh, he makes his team so much better. They're, what, 3-10 and 10 without him? Uh, much better chance of being 500 at the break if Jimmy plays. Uh, this and, comment comes in about this game, Baber, and we can't have outsiders at this particular event just because we're keeping it sealed, obviously because the current circumstances, but we're prepping for it, guys. Trust me, maybe in a month, maybe in two months, we'll feel comfortable doing it. Alex can bring everybody he picks up in his lift. Just oh, no, you don't want that. No, you don't want that. <laughs> Isn't New Orleans close? Isn't New Orleans closer to, to Tomball where um... – where Jimmy's from? Am I saying that correctly? It is. It, it well, it's close enough. I mean, it's it's Tom yeah. Ball's in, near Houston, but yes, I mean, there's yes, there's it's it's uh, it's it's close enough. Um, all right, final thing. This we're just gonna one word answers because the Dolphins guys are waiting on me. Uh, if the Heat get to 18-18 on the season, if they win this game against New Orleans, okay, after everything that's happened. Is that, in your view, and didn't, didn't lose the East in the process, right? It's not gone yet. In, is that, in your view, with all the adversity, a success? Yes or no answer, Alex? I'll no. come back to you. Gad, no. no. Gad, go ahead. Yes. No, it's not a success. Yes. Greg? Uh, relative success. One word answer. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to be the optimist this time. I'm going to say yes. I, I feel like. 36 games left. They'll be in position to do something. I, See, I look at all those words. That's not one word, damn it. That's not one word, damn it. This game, Bay Brewing, be there on Friday night. We're going to have a big announcement, I believe, on Monday about some expansion of five on the floor and kind of our reach. So uh, make sure that you check that out. So the, the, the thing we got Friday is not the big announcement. We got something much bigger uh, coming along. And obviously, if anybody watching wants to sponsor us, we'll take you. We're pretty much sold out on five on the floor, but here on the streams, there's there's an opportunity to do more. All right, thanks to Gad. Good debut here with us. We're going to rotate some of our folks from our stream, our Five Reasons Sky Force in here on Floors Yours. Alex <laughs> and Greg and I will be back tomorrow night on the podcast. Have a good night.
Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Now we're going to introduce you to another of our recurring segments here. We call it value plays. It's with one of our sponsors and our friends here, big heat fan, heat season ticket holder. He's Eric Brown. You can find him at five reasons, realtor.com. Make sure you spell that out. F I V E reasons, realtor.com. But here is where we kind of let him, cause he's very good at the numbers, very good at evaluating these kind of situations, which is the kind of thing he can do for you if you're looking to buy or sell a home. So keep that in mind more on that later. Uh, but what we want to talk to him about is we, we usually go through about three topics here. He twists it on me a little bit. Uh, let's go, Eric. Let's start with number one. I want to talk about the big black hole at the four spot, uh, namely uh, Kelly Olenek. Uh, I don't want to come down specifically too hard on him because it's a guy that gives 100%. It's not like he's not out there trying. That's not Hassan Whiteside. That's Kelly Olenek. But in this case, uh, more is less. Kelly Olenek's been in the NBA for eight years. And this is the most amount of minutes that he's ever averaged. This is, these are the most field goal attempts that he's ever taken, both twos and threes. And unfortunately, it's the lowest field goal percentage that he's ever put up, both twos and threes. And most notably, because he's out there to space the floor, uh, last year, uh, he shot 40.6% in the minutes that he got. This year, he's shooting 31.6% on threes and at, at a higher number of attempts. He attempted 3.5 threes last year and this year at 5.8. He's also <laughs> has started 29 of 34 games. And his entire career, the most games he ever started in, in, in a single year, which he played 79 games, was... 36 games in the 18-19 season with the Heat. So you can see about a week after the All-Star break, he's going to break the most amount of games that he ever started. So I think his history suggests that he would be better off left on the bench or traded for someone that could do a better job. Just for a comparison, when we had Jay Crowder last year, <laughs> Jay Crowder played 20 games in the regular season, and he shot 44.5%. You know, as compared with the 31.6% that we're getting this year. Three-point shooting is, is down on the Heat, as I'm sure anyone who watches knows. And that's something that I think if the Heat make an acquisition at the four that they need to address. They were fourth in the NBA in three-point shooting last year at 37.4%. And this year, they're 22nd at 35.3%. So, and the rest of the league is shooting three, three pointers better than they did last year and scoring is up. So something needs to be addressed. So I, I, I'm asking you, uh, what acquisition do you think that the Heat can make uh, that would get them to the Eastern Conference Finals? Because I assume everyone uh, in the organization at this point, if we got back to the Eastern Conference Finals, would be satisfied with that outcome. Well, yeah, I think starting at 11 and 17, um that certainly would be something that wasn't expected at that stage. I mean, I think we're in agreement that the four spot and we've talked about it some on the five on the floor. I mean, at least to me, it's the biggest hole in the roster. I know we've also discussed three level scores. We've discussed, you know, another ball handler. Uh, and, and again, it's not to cast aspersions on Kelly Olenek. We did an entire episode about eye test versus analytics. The analytics actually show that Kelly has been one of their better players from an on off perspective it's just what you talked about. It's the minutes. Uh, I don't think that they ever intended 
for him nor Iguodala to be playing these kind of minutes. And again, I don't think it's either of their faults. Okay. In, in both their cases, they were kind of looked at as guys who could play for the heat this year or guys whose contracts could be used in a trade. They weren't intending on the two of them playing these kind of minutes, but when you're talking about five players that they've gotten nothing out of who could have been potential power compliments to bam. And I, I, I look, or at least they're holding roster spots. You take a look at Myers Leonard, obviously didn't work out out for the season. You and I've discussed that Mo Harkless who started the opening night. He's been banished. I mean, he's been healthy and not playing. Uh, that tells you. Well, Casey Akpala has not uh, developed at the rate that I think some of us had hoped at least to be a contributor this season. He looks lost uh, when he's been on, on the floor a lot of the time. And then the other two, you know, silver and Haslam are holding roster spots, but you really weren't expecting either of them to play. So you're talking about five players who could potentially play the four who are not options for you right now, which has forced you to play Kelly Olenek more minutes than you should have and forced you to play Andre Iguodala somewhat out of position for more minutes than you should have. And so, yes, when we talk about an acquisition that could get you to the Eastern Conference Finals, it's a bit of a roll of the dice. Um, I don't think anybody thought that the acquisition, particularly maybe of Iguodala, but the one of Jay Crowder would have helped propel them to the finals last year. But the guy that I mention a lot is Rudy Gay. Because um, I think when you talk about a shooting compliment to Bam, not necessarily a rebounding compliment to Bam, like say a Drummond, but a shooting compliment to play the way that Eric Spolster wants to play, uh, not necessarily the way that Pat Riley used to play then Rudy Gay is that type of player. He's 37% from three. He's an established scorer in the league, not as, as high a rate now, but per minute, actually, it's very close to where it was. Could he get you the Eastern Conference Finals? I think a lot of this is going to come down to bracket for the Heat. I, I think that Brooklyn is a terrible matchup for them. Uh, Boston and Milwaukee, as we've seen, are better. I think Philadelphia is potentially better. But I do think that getting an acquisition to allow Bam to do what Bam does best without having to be focused on as an alpha scorer would help. And I do think getting a spacer who can actually make shots, which is not something Kelly's done consistently this year in Rudy Gay would help. So would it get them there? I'm not sure, but it would give them a better chance than they have now. Why would San Antonio, who's what are they the fifth seed now? Or I mean, you know, they're up there. Why would they give up Rudy Gay? I, mean, just, I know he well, has last year, contract. last year of his contract. And, and again, I think the thing to understand about that, Eric, is I, I don't think there was ever a projection that the Spurs were going to compete this year. And I, I don't think that Popovich and RC Buford are the types to fool themselves that they know what a championship level team looks like, obviously. Um, and so I think similarly to the heat, they're not going to get caught up. Like say the Knicks would in temporary success. I, I don't think the Spurs think they have a legitimate chance to get out of the West. You've seen them kind of pivot. Now DeJounte Murray and others, the young players have kind of taken a bigger role. Rudy Gay has been a good player for them off the bench. He fits their system. He's played good defense from everything I've heard uh, from people who cover them day to day, but I don't think they view themselves as a Western conference finalist possibility. And so if you can get an asset for Rudy Gay before he maybe leaves in free agency, I think you look at it. And that would have to be a player in the case of the heat because there are no picks. Well, it could be a Kendrick Nunn type, but again, that's another conversation can you afford to give up Kendrick Nunn with as important as he's been to you, especially not having Avery Bradley back, especially with heroes inconsistency, Dragic's injuries. Are you comfortable doing that? Uh, and then rolling the dice that, you know, 
Rudy Gay is going to be enough to get you over the hump with the other guys that you have coming back. But that's the type of player San Antonio just adding another quality guard to their system that may interest them. Well, that the the test, and that's why I asked you, uh, is there an acquisition that would get the Heat to the Eastern Conference Finals? Because I think the test is, are you willing to sacrifice an asset that could potentially be used to make the major acquisition that we've been talking about since the summer with Giannis and then morph to Bradley Beal and Zach Levine, et cetera, et cetera. Are we willing to sacrifice an asset that we would might need to use for that acquisition to go further this year? And so what's the test? How far do you have to go in order for it to be worth the sacrifice? I think it's the I do think it's East. I think you've hit on it. I think it's the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I don't think that this this franchise will be satisfied after what they accomplished last year with second round. Um, I, I but I don't necessarily think. Look, you can never guarantee getting to the finals. Uh, we I don't believe the Heat were bubble flukes, bubble frauds, whatever you want to call them. But they did catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle by the circumstances, and they made the most of it. And that's to their credit. But I don't think you go into any season unless you have LeBron, honestly of saying, okay, it's finals or bust. I I think if you get to an Eastern Conference finals, I think if you look at Boston last year, Denver on the other side of the bracket, Mm -hmm. I think they would consider their seasons to be quite successful last year, getting to the conference finals. Um, I don't think either team believed they were necessarily going to win a championship. If you look at Boston last year, I mean, that was after they, they got rid of some players, including Kyrie, swapped out Kyrie for Kemba. I don't think there was, I mean, the more talented team was the year before with Kyrie and Horford. So I, I don't think they expected to get to the Eastern finals and for them losing to the heat. Did they believe they should have won it? Yes. But losing in seven in the Eastern conference finals, no matter who it was against, I think the Celtics would have viewed that as a successful season. I think similarly for the Celtics to have a successful season this year, they have to get back to the Eastern conference finals, which doesn't appear that's going to happen. So I think to me that that would, I would say the Eastern finals, if there's a move that can get you there without sacrificing too much of the future, where you think it has a chance to get you there. I think you roll the dice on it. Okay. The other topic I wanted to talk to you about was John Collins. Uh, There's been a lot of conversation um, about uh, possibly acquiring John Collins. And I know you've been an advocate of uh, having John Collins play beside Bam. And I happen to agree with you that in theory, the two of them together uh, would seem to work really well. You know, they're similar age. I think they'd even would if he got a max contract, they'd even have the same contract going forward. So there would there would be room for growth. The question that I have is if you're going to give a max contract to John Collins uh, and you have Bam and Jimmy uh, already with max contracts, that would be $92 million uh, for next year alone of the 112 of the entire cap tied up in three players. And still, when you think of the end of the game, uh, that we rely exclusively on, on Jimmy as, as the creator. And as we've discussed in other pods and as we've heard, as we've heard other supposed experts say, you need to have two of those creators. Nikias Duncan talked about the fact how they need a three level score. So I think that it's a fair question to ask, uh, can the Heat afford the luxury of getting of paying for John Collins? And would they have, would they be able to pay for another, a fourth max player 
to, to put in there? Would they even have the money for that? Would they even be able to swing it? And then there's how they would even acquire that player, what contracts, the, the whole mechanics of doing that. I think the three-level scorer is more important. And when you have, when you have Bam, well, just one last point, when you have Bam, as I pointed out before in an earlier podcast, he's similar to Ben Simmons. He's not going to go out and get all those, uh, not, not going to generate all that scoring. He is a specialty player. He's worth the money for all the other things he does, but he, he dictates you have to get another guy that's a three-level scorer. I understand your point. And obviously, look, most teams would take the score. I think what is unique about the Collins situation and the debate about how they get him is an entirely different debate, which we've had. And obviously, there are challenges to that. So I'm not saying there's any guarantee you could get him either in a trade or in, as an RFA situation because they're not going to be the only team that wants him. I mean, Dallas, I've heard. Portland, I've heard. There's going to be a bunch of teams on in on him if he gets to restricted free agency. Uh, with that being said, to me, it's a scarcity issue. This segment is called value plays. And one of the reasons that I, I am so high on the John Collins thing is because I look around the NBA and I look at bigs age 25 or younger that you can pair with Bam. And basically, I don't know if he's still on 25 or under, but the only one I see who is clearly at a level above who may become attainable at some point if he just demands out is Carl Anthony Towns. And I just think the premium for Carl Anthony Towns would be so huge. In addition to the fact that we know that the Towns Butler relationship in Minnesota <laughs> right. was not exactly ideal. Right. So, so to me, I go down the list and I say, okay, who else is possibly available? And when you look at bigs with that kind of skill set at that age, John Collins is the guy that jumps out to me. And the way I look at it is if you don't have to give up hero or none, okay, or at least you can keep one of them then you'll at least have a backcourt scorer. Now, how you fill in the other pieces, that's something that Pat would have to figure out. But I do think one of the things that Collins will do is he'll take burden off of Bam as both a rebounder and a scorer and allow Bam to do the other things that he does best. And I think you get an even better Bam playing next to John Collins. I think part of the problem with Bam this year is he doesn't have any help. <laughs> He's out there alone most nights. And we saw him kind of get double teamed by, by Capella and Collins in those two Atlanta games. They need someone else to help him. You bring Collins over, you're bringing a guy who's a natural scorer who wants to be here, who's 23 years old. When I compare Collins to Oladipo, for instance, I would much rather go in on John Collins than a guy like Oladipo who has been at least for a season and a half, a three-level. Well, there's no argument. I would take Collins over Oladipo. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure. I would even want Oladipo at this point. I don't think he's proven enough to me, as far as his health is concerned, in order to risk any kind of major salary commitment. I think that's fair. I think Alex would disagree with us. But that's a whole <laughs> other conversation. All right. All right. What uh, else you got for me? A very important issue we need to discuss. I heard you say the other the other day that. Waiting 45 minutes in line at the AAA for uh, Papa John's. I, I wasn't going to say it, but you did. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what pizza is worth waiting 45 minutes at a basketball game for. La Scala in uh, Comac, Long Island, um, just uh, very close to where I grew up. I went back up there. Uh, to take my daughter actually to see the house that I grew up in. Um, she was not impressed because it was too cold. 
but uh, I, I took her up there about a year and a half ago and did take her to La Scala for lunch. And it is exactly as I remembered it, um, which was good because most things from childhood are not as you remember them. Uh, that is pizza. I would not argue that any Chicago, I like Chicago pizza, but I, I haven't wanted to wait 25 minutes in the restaurant for deep dish. So I, I would not qualify that. I think otherwise uh, you got to go out to Brooklyn for that pizza. There's a couple spots here in Fort Lauderdale. For those that know, I'm a big fan of um, Mama, Lucy, uh, Mama Lucy's, which is uh, just in, in Lauderdale, just in the Cistrunk area, just a little bit uh, north of Broward Boulevard here, not that far from where I live. Uh, so I'm, I'm a fan. That's where I order from on a regular basis. My daughter is preferred also, but I wouldn't wait three minutes for Papa John's. So I, I'm a, I'm a bad person to ask on this one, <laughs> Eric. Uh, but I certainly would not wait the 45 minutes. The, the good news is the heat are apparently opening some indoor concessions of which Papa John's will be one. So we won't have this cluster like they had the other night. Uh, where I literally watch people wait 45 minutes for that pizza outdoors. And I understand why the heat, they got to be safe. I get it. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying I didn't understand the people who were doing it. Get something to eat at home. You, you'll be much better. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sound like, you know, the grumpy old man next door, but uh, I don't understand how anybody can wait in a concession line and miss any of the game. I don't care what they're serving there. I, I'm I'm with you, but you know how that is. It's I mean that everybody talks about the the first quarter and Heat fans arriving late. It's actually the third quarter that drives me nuts, and it's not fans' fault. It's a lot of times it's just been they're sitting. If you don't get there in the first two minutes, right after halftime, you when that place is full, you don't have a chance to be back in your seat. There's a clock. It's know, 15 they, minutes. You know, if that's you got to do it in 15 minutes or forget. You got well. You better leave in the middle of the season. Yeah, so I, I, I'm not. I'm not waiting. Because, anyway, because I, I could tell you. But Eric, that that's La Scala, Comac, New York. Uh, that one's worth it to me. The the rest of them, I don't know if I'd wait 45. If I ever travel again, I'll check it out. Thanks for the tip. All right, and where do they find you? Five reasons realtor.com. All right, five reasons realtor.com. Uh, get Eric's views, not just on the heat, but also have him help you out with real estate. Eric, we appreciate you being with us on Value Plays. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network.